Okay. Second Chronicles chapter 32. Second Chronicles chapter 32. Now, just to give ourselves an update and to refresh ourselves, um, I have been preaching a series when I've uh, been up here in relation to um, the reign of King Hezekiah. And so we've been looking how he, when he came to the throne and uh, the reforms that took place, or in other words, we've actually been looking at the biblical definition of revival. And so remembering that revival primarily has to do with God's people. And, and in, when we look at the nation of Israel, in this case, looking at Hezekiah and the things that took place during that period, we see various principles and truths that we can identify and that we can apply to this particular theme and ultimately apply to ourselves uh, and to the church and to us, the church corporately, but also to us individually um, from these particular scriptures. And so there's great instruction for us. And, um, and as I've uh, studied this and as we've been working through it, I've been, again, just blessed to identify these things. And I pray you are likewise. But I want to again this morning uh, look in chapter 32 because, again, we find another principle that relates to and surrounds the issue and topic of revival. And we can't talk um, uh, about revival without talking about the reality of spiritual warfare. Because the truth of the matter is, is that we have an enemy. We have an adversary. And so we would be foolish to ignore it. We would be foolish to just dismiss it. We must not be ignorant of his devices, as the scripture says, because he is constantly at work as, as are the spiritual hosts of wickedness and uh, the principalities and powers are at work because they are constantly wanting to undermine the work of God. On the earth, the work of God in our hearts, just to bring about uh, uh, destruction and to seek to steal, kill and destroy, as Jesus would tell us. And so I want to make that our focus because that's what is the focus of the scripture that we're going to look at. We've been looking at, it started in chapter 29, we've been moving through the scriptures, we're up to now chapter 32, and we're going to see the reality of spiritual warfare as it relates to Israel and understand it as it relates to us. Because the truth is, is as you study revival in church history, you find that revivals do, uh, unfortunately, come to an end for various reasons. And one of the, uh, there's actually two aspects, really, that are associated with that. One has to do with the enemy himself and his work against the church. But secondly, it has to do with the human heart because of our propensity to drift and to... To, um, to turn away or to grow cold or whatever the case may be, but the, the human heart itself also um, is, uh, always finds itself at variance with God uh, for various reasons, but that's just the nature of how things work. So the text that we're going to look at is really an important portion of Scripture because the story of Hezekiah 
and this particular story that we're going to look at, is, uh, there's three accounts of it in the Bible itself, in the Old Testament. And so it's in 2 Kings chapter 18 and 19. You have this same account. You, we have now, it's repeated here in 2 Chronicles 29 to th uh, chapter 32 there but we're, that we're working through. But also you'll find in the prophet Isaiah in chapter 36, uh, 35, I think it's 36, 37, uh, you have an account again, which is really just the same account that's in, in uh, Kings, but nevertheless, obviously, and prophet being contemporary to Hezekiah and some of the things that were going on at this point of time, and especially here in the text that we're going to look at. But, um, but three accounts of, this, of these events and, and the reign of Hezekiah. And so there's something for us to understand. There's something for us to see here, and I want us to identify those things this morning. Because the truth is, is that the devil attacks. And uh, who does he attack? Why does he attack? I mean, he attacks God. He attacks the people of God. But one of the things he wants to assault this morning, and one of the things I want to identify from this, is that the enemy wants to undermine our faith, our confidence in God. This is important for us to understand. It is why in throughout the scriptures you will find, especially in the book of Hebrews, where we are exhorted, do not cast away your confidence, your faith. Faith is a substance of things hoped for, the evidence or confidence of things not seen. This faith, this confidence that we have in God is precious. But the enemy hates to see it operating within the life of the Christian, the child of God. And so he will seek to try and chip away, undermine and destroy that if he can. And that's why we are told, don't cast it away. Because the devil can't take away your faith. Amen? He can't take, he can do it, well, he, can, he can throw everything at you, but he cannot take away your faith. That's why the Bible says, don't cast it away. And so let's learn some lessons from this particular chapter. Verse, chapter 32, let's start verse number 1. After these deeds of faithfulness, uh, Sennacherib, king uh, of Assyria, came and entered Judah. He encamped against the fortified cities, thinking to win them over to himself. And, and when Hezekiah saw that Sennacherib had come and that, the pur uh, that his purpose was to make war against Jerusalem... He consulted with his leaders and commanders to stop the water from the springs which were outside the city, and they helped him. Thus many people gathered together and stopped all the springs and the brook that ran through the land, saying, Why should the kings of Assyria come and find much water? And he strengthened himself, built up the wall that was broken, raised up the towers, and built another wall outside. He also repaired the millow in the city of David and made weapons and shields in abundance. Then he set military captains over the people, gathered them uh, together uh, to him in the open square of the city gate and gave them encouragement, saying, Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid nor dismayed before the king of Assyria, nor before all the multitude that is with him, for there are more that are with us than with him. With him is an arm of flesh, but with us is the Lord our God to help us and to fight our battles. And the people were strengthened by the words of Hezekiah, king of Judah. 
After this, Sennacherib, uh, king of Assyria, sent ser- his servants to Jerusalem. But he and all the forces uh, with him laid siege against Lachish, to Hezekiah, king of Judah, and to all Judah who were in Jerusalem, saying, Thus says Sennacherib, king of Assyria, In what do you trust that you remain under siege in Jerusalem? Does not Hezekiah persuade you to give yourselves over to die by famine and by thirst, saying, The Lord our God will deliver us from the hand of the king of Assyria? Has not the same Hezekiah taken away the high places and his altars and commanded Judah and Jerusalem, saying, You shall worship before one altar and burn incense on it? Do you not know what I and my fathers have done to all the peoples of, uh, of other lands? Were, uh, were the gods of the nations of those lands in any way able to deliver their lands out of my hand? Who was there among all the gods of those nations that my fathers utterly destroyed that, you, uh, that could deliver his people uh, from my hand? And uh, that your God should be able to deliver you from my hand? Now therefore, do not let Hezekiah deceive you or persuade you to take the, uh, to um, uh, persuade you like this. And do not believe him, for no god of any nation or kingdom was able to deliver his people from my hand or from the hand of my fathers. How much less will your God be able to deliver you from my hand? Furthermore, his servant spoke against the Lord God and against his servant Hezekiah. He also wrote letters to revile the Lord God of Israel and to speak against him, saying, As the gods of the nations of other lands have not delivered their people from my hand, so the God of Hezekiah will not deliver his people from my hand. Then they called out with a loud voice in Hebrew to the people of Jerusalem who were on the wall to frighten them, to trouble them, that they might take the city. And they spoke against the God of Jerusalem as against the gods of the people as, uh, of the earth, the work of men's hands. Now because of this, King Hezekiah and the prophet Isaiah, the son of Amos, prayed and cried out to heaven. Then the Lord sent an angel who cut down every mighty man of valor, leader and captain in the, in the camp of the king of Assyria. So he returned shamed face to his own land. And when, they, when he had gone into the temple of his God, some of his own offspring struck him down with the sword there. Thus the Lord saved Hezekiah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem from the hand of Sennacherib, the king of Assyria, and from the hand of all others, and guided them on every side. And many brought gifts to the Lord at Jerusalem, and presents to Hezekiah, king of Judah. So he was exalted in the sight of all nations thereafter. Amen. What a glorious portion of Scripture. Amen. I get excited just reading it. But you see, uh, obviously we see God's hand that moves. But what I want to consider with you this morning is the fact is, is that obviously, as we've stated, we are in a battle. But the battle belongs to God. The battle is mine, says the Lord. The battle belongs to God. Now let's look at verse 1 because it says after these deeds, obviously there's, there's already a lot of things that have been happening as we've already identified in previous sessions. It says after these deeds of faithfulness. You see, 
it, uh, notice that it says, after these deeds of faithfulness. You see, the devil's not going to, as a colloquial term or saying, the devil's not going to kick a dead dog, right? He's going, so after, after these deeds of faithfulness, then the king of Assyria presents himself. Then the enemy comes and wants to assault and attack. It's after, amen, uh, uh, we begin to get things right as we have seen. It's after we have determined that we're going to serve the Lord wholeheartedly. It's after that we have set ourselves uh, and committed ourselves that the enemy is not going to just sit idly by, but he's going to now make his focus and target uh, uh, that church, uh, those people or that individual because he does not like to see the people of God revived. Can you say amen? And so it was after the deeds of faithfulness that now the king of Assyria sends his army to lay siege against Jerusalem in order to attack it. Sennacherib had one purpose. In verse 2 it says, And when Hezekiah saw that Sennacherib had come and that his purpose was to make war against Jerusalem. That's the devil's purpose is to make war. You see, one of the realities of the Christian life that you must face and is you must realize that you cannot avoid is that war, spiritual warfare, is a reality. You can't just try and bunker down and hide. You have to learn to take up the armor of God. You have to learn to be strong in the power of His might. You have to learn, amen, as Paul would tell us, uh, to put on the old armor of God that you may be able to withstand in that evil day. And so the, the issue of warfare is a reality that is unavoidable and the enemy is intent and his whole purpose is to make war. The devil comes except not to steal, kill and destroy. He has one purpose and that's to make war. And, that's, uh, and I think it was the old classic from uh, Jesse Penn Lewis, War on the Saints, or as, as uh, Bill Randall's recently wrote that book, War on the Saints, as well. But that's the reality in the Christian life. So it says in verse 5, that he, Hezekiah, strengthened himself. You see, this is the first thing, Hezekiah being the king of Israel. He's observing the armies of, uh, of Assyria that are now uh, laying siege against the city of Jerusalem. And so the, uh, um, Hezekiah knows that there's, a, that there's trouble pending. You can see what's going on. And the Bible says that he first and foremost, he strengthened himself. And note here what it says, as part of strengthening himself and the nation and the people of Judah, the Bible says he built up the wall that was broken. He built up the wall that was broken. And you know that Jerusalem being a fortified city uh, and that when the walls were broken down, that means that the Jerusalem itself was vulnerable to its enemies. But when that wall was repaired and built up, it then had a, a, a defense against those enemies. And so too, uh, we find this, member when Nehemiah, and uh, he comes back after the captivity and the temple now through Ezra's being in, in worship being restored. But the walls of the city of Jerusalem are broken down. The Bible says that he who has no rule over his own spirit is like a city that's broken down without walls. 
and part of the Christian life uh, and, uh, as, and as, as we serve the Lord is God is into building Christ uh, and the, the, the Christ character in us as we are conformed into his image uh, and we become strong in the Lord and the walls of character uh, are built up and we have a defense, amen, against the assaults of the enemy that will come. So you see here the spiritual analogies. We could go more into this, but I don't want to dwell on it other than to make the point. So he built up the wall that was broken. The truth is when we come to Christ, we're all broken. And so that's why the wall has to be built. But it says he raised up the towers. And so here it is in the city of Jerusalem. He raises up the towers. For what purpose? Because this is how they were able to, uh, to watch and see what was going on outside the walls. And that's why the Bible would even say to us this morning, be vigilant. Because your adversary, the devil, walks around like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. And so the, the call for us is to be vigilant. Watch. Don't be taken blindsided, but watch and be vigilant. And so, when, so here, Hezekiah is strengthening himself by building the walls and by raising up the towers in which now he can observe and he can see. And so he's not ignorant of what's going on around him. And it says, and he built another wall outside. Also, he repaired the millo in the city of David, and he made weapons and shields in abundance. Weapons and shields. And so when we think of that, our mind is automatically drawn to Ephesians chapter 6 again, where we find Paul outlining to us the armor of God, the shield. What's the shield? The shield of faith. And what's the sword? The sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. And so these are not just defensive but offensive weapons in the sense that we are engaged in a battle. And so we see this in the life of Hezekiah and we can see now, here's God moving upon the nation. The nation is being revived. Worship has been established. The, the high places have been ripped down. The people are excited. They're giving. And remember, we looked in the previous chapter. They're giving because their heart's now set on fire. And now the enemy says, you know what? <laughs> we can't have that. So now we're going to come and we're going to try and destroy what's going on. And so Hezekiah strengthened himself. Now look at verse 6. Then he, Hezekiah, set military captains over the people, gathered them together to him in the open square of the city gate, and he gave them encouragement. Amen. See, Hezekiah first strengthened himself, the Bible says, and once he was strengthened, uh, uh, the Bible makes it clear that they then sought to, to encourage the people. Because no doubt had, the people had a sense of vulnerability. The people were obviously mindful of what was going on on the outside of the walls of Jerusalem. And so you could sense maybe there was a little bit of tentativeness, a bit of nervousness. Fear beginning to wanting to just overcome them. And yet Hezekiah now is in a place where he has strengthened himself, the scripture says, and now he is intent on encouraging the people. And this brings to light 
the reality and the need of encouragement, can you say amen in the Christian life? Let's be honest. None of us like the issue of war. I know Pastor, Pastor Werner's a pacifist. <laughs> but in the Christian life, you've got to learn to fight. Isn't that right, Pastor Werner? And I know he doesn't mean that in, a, in that context, but I'm just using it. As, what I'm trying to say is we don't want to have to engage in a battle. We just want to enjoy Christ and enjoy the blessing. But the reality is this, church. We're in a war. And therefore, uh, 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 and when this over the longevity of time, this can grind people down. And so the, the, you know, the, the, the enemy engages what we call a, wall of, a war of attrition. You know, it's a, over a prolonged period. It's not just that he comes like a roaring lion, but he has divine strategies. They're laying a siege against Jerusalem. This is a protracted thing in which they're trying to grind them down. That's what the enemy tries to do tries to grind us down to cause us to just kind of get discouraged and discouragement is a is 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 a is a reality for christians can you say amen we can be prone to discouragement and the whole the whole issue of discouragement is this it's the loss of courage that's what discouragement means to lose courage and so here it is, Hezekiah is now set himself to encourage the people, to call them to be encouraged, to be courageous. You know, there's that old saying, courage is not the absence of fear, but the overcoming of it. And so in life, there are circumstances, there are trials, there are tribulations that come, and the presence of fear is there. I accept that. But courage, amen, is, the, uh, is, uh, is not the absence of fear. It's the overcoming of the fear. Because that's where faith triumphs. Can you say amen? And the enemy of faith is fear. That wants to cause us to, to not trust God, to, to ebb away at our confidence. And so encouragement is critical. God's people need to be encouraged. That's why we find even throughout the scriptures, don't give up, hold fast, persevere, endure to the end. And we find these various exhortations within the scripture because they are real, amen. So we need encouragement. Look at verse seven. How did Hezekiah encourage them? He says, be strong and be courageous. Be strong and courageous. Don't be afraid. Don't be dismayed before the king of Assyria, nor before all the multitude that is with him. Now there's a multitude that is with him. We're not talking about a little band of raiders outside the city gates. We're talking about an army that's laying siege against Judah. And he's telling them, that, because the natural inclination is to be overcome. The natural inclination is fear wants to grip their hearts. They can be easily be overwhelmed by the circumstances as they are observing them. And Hezekiah says, don't. Be strong. I'm encouraging you. Be strong. Be courageous. And uh, he says to them, don't be fearful. Don't get dismayed before their presence. Because look, look what he says in verse 7. There are more with us than with them 
There are more with us than with them. Now, technically, that wasn't the case in terms of the, the, the numbers, in sheer numbers. They were overwhelmed by a multitude. But Hezekiah is, uh, is not thinking in those terms. You see, now think about that. He's encouraging the people. He says, don't worry, there's more with us than with them. And they're like, well, what are you talking about? Have you, you, are you, can you see <laughs> the reality of the situation? And not only that, you must understand that the northern kingdom of Israel has already been taken into captivity. So Judah is, uh, is still uh, present, uh, but Assyria, the Assyrians have already gone through and God has uh, sent Israel uh, into captivity, the, the, 12, uh, the ten tribes, the northern tribes, because of their disobedience. And, so they're, they're now, and the other nations have all been overcome by the Assyrians. And now they're laying siege at Judah, this little tiny insignificant place, Jerusalem, a little city with a small population and a multitude are there. And Hezekiah says, don't worry, there's more with us than with them. (laughs) But he says this, look at verse 8. With him is an arm of flesh, but with us is the Lord our God. And uh, he is, he, listen, to help us to fight our battles. See, the Lord is the one. That's why the battle is the Lord's. And Hezekiah is mindful of this reality that we don't trust in the arm of the flesh. Our confidence, our faith is resting upon a God who is able a God who is able. Now, I, I suspect Hezekiah was not ignorant to, of his forefathers, of his nation's own history, of his people's own history. He knew of God's divine intervention. He would have known in, even in the time of previously of Jehoshaphat, where they had a multitude of 200,000 people army come against them. And the Bible says that Jehoshaphat was totally, uh, uh, and the people of Israel were totally outnumbered. But you see, even in that time, he, he knew the outcome. And remember these words that God spoke to Jehoshaphat in that time when they, come, they came before the Lord. In 2 Chronicles chapter 15, verse 20. And it says, And he said, Listen, you, all you of Judah, and you inhabitants of Jerusalem, and you, King Jehoshaphat, thus says the Lord to you, Do not be afraid nor dismayed. There's those same words. Because of this great multitude, for the battle is not yours, but God's. And so you could picture uh, Hezekiah is acutely aware of these realities and in, in strengthening himself and now encouraging the people, he says, listen, we have our God. We don't trust in the arm of flesh, but we have our God. Uh, He's on our side. And uh, he says, he will help us and he will fight our battles. The battle is not yours, it is God's. Now we'll elaborate that more in a moment, so stick with me. But listen to what it says here. And it says in verse 8, And the people were strengthened by the words of Hezekiah. They were strengthened by the words of Hezekiah. 
And so here they are, in the same way that Hezekiah was so strengthened and he encouraged them and they, the people themselves, were, were strengthened as well. The battle belongs to God. In 2 Kings chapter 19, verse 34, you see, you know, the, 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 the devil's strategies against God's people is a direct assault upon God himself for various reasons. But in 2 Kings chapter 19, verse 34, God says, For I will defend this city to save it for my own sake and for my servant David, David's sake. You see, what this reveals, and the reason why I'm reading this, is because what we have here is, is Satan is attacking the people of God in order to attack God himself because he's trying to get the people to question the trustworthiness of God. That, that, that they cannot have that faith and that confidence that God is faithful, that God is, is, uh, is, is trustworthy. And so he's seeking, the enemy is attacking God and God's plan and God's purposes. And that's why God says, uh, in response to what's going on, he says, you know what, I'm going to defend this city because I've made a covenant with my servant David and for my name's sake. The battle belongs to God because in attacking the people of God, the devil's trying to attack God himself. That God is somehow unable to fulfill his purposes, to thwart the plan and purposes of God. But the people were strengthened. Now, I want us look, to look a little further this morning at how this played itself out. Because the enemy, as I said already, will attack our faith, he will attack our trust, he will attack our confidence in God's faithfulness and in God's trust and, and in God's trustworthiness. His word is true. God is true. And so here they are, the Assyrian army laying a siege against Jerusalem. Now listen to how the enemy operates. Look at verse 10. Now they're strengthened. They've been strengthened. They're trusting God. But now there's the reality of the circumstances. Verse 10. Thus says Sennacherib to the king of Assyria, and he's speaking now to the people of Israel, uh, Judah. He says, In what do you trust that you remain under siege in Jerusalem? He says, Who are you trusting? What is this silly confidence that you have in this God? What is wrong with you? See, he's speaking and he's, the words that he's speaking are seeking to diminish and undermine their confidence. And now that they have been strengthened by being a way of encouragement, he's wanting to weaken them. That's what the enemy was trying to do. He's trying to weaken them. He's trying to bring fear into their hearts. And so... We've read it before, but we can see in, what, uh, in verse 10, it says, uh, uh, in what do you trust? He says in verse 11, does not Hezekiah persuade you to give yourselves over to die? You can see the verbal assault here. He says, the Lord our God, the, the Lord, um, he says, the Lord our God will deliver us. From the hand of the king of Assyria, he's saying, is this is what Hezekiah is telling you? He's saying, are you really going to believe that? Do you really believe that that's possible? Don't you understand that we have 
that, my, uh, that we have taken over already so many nations and the gods of the nations have been unable to stand against us. And somehow, and not only that, Hezekiah has destroyed all the high places and all the gods and he said, here, worship this one God at this one altar and that God's going to save you? You're putting your faith and trust in that one God? What's wrong with you? You can see the nature of how the enemy attacks. And these are like thoughts that can play themselves out in the minds of people, isn't it? And so they spoke, it says in verse 16, it says, um, Furthermore, his servants spoke against the Lord. And they spoke against his servant Hezekiah. In verse 17, it tells us that they went as far as to write letters to revile the Lord God of Israel. That word revile is an interesting word. It means to pull off. Or in other words, what they were wanting to do, what the enemy wanted to do is he wanted to strip bare or strip down God and say, you know what, this God, the God you're trusting in, he's not trustworthy. He's not faithful. You're putting your confidence in this God? What's wrong with you? And so he's trying to strip to shreds, so to speak, and expose him as being un, uh, unable and unworthy to trust. And that's what the enemy wants to do to the church. That's what he does to the, to the child of God. He wants us to come to a place where we say we can't trust God. I don't know if God's faithful. I don't know if I can have that uh, degree of faith. And we've even seen in recent times where people are renouncing even the faith. People that we looked at and we thought, oh, you know, they were uh, faithful, but they, they, they're demonstrating no faith whatsoever. And so the enemy is wanting to, uh, uh, to cause the people of God to distrust God. Look at verse 18. They, they called out with a loud voice. They're yelling at him. And the people of Jerusalem who were on the wall to frighten them and trouble them. That's what the enemy wants to do. He wants to frighten and trouble us. He wants to shake our faith. And listen to this, frighten and trouble them that they may take the city. See, that's what the enemy wants to do. He wants to gain a stronghold in our lives. He wants to gain ground in our lives. But you see, we must stand. We must not fear. But we, we, we must not lose uh, our courage, but we must stand and fight and withstand as in, that, in that evil day. And so... Here we have it, verse 19, and they spoke against the Lord God of Jerusalem and against the gods of the people of the earth and the work of man's hands. They just mocked, they mocked the Lord God of Jerusalem. Now, in light of all of that, can you picture that Hezekiah has strengthened himself, the Bible says. He's encouraged the people, the people have been strengthened, but now... They're in the midst of the battle. The words are being spoken. The assault is coming. And I believe, as the scripture shows us, that the Hezekiah and the people, though they are holding fast, they are f the, the, the reality of their circumstances are pressing hard against them. Okay? Now, I'm not, say I'm not saying they're overcome by their circumstances, because that's not what the scripture says, but I'm telling you now, the reality of their circumstances, are they are face to face. 
And so listen to what it says in verse 20. It says, Now because of this, because of the circumstances and what's going on, King Hezekiah and the prophet Isaiah, the son of Amos, prayed and cried out to heaven. You see, in other words, uh, they, the, the situation is such that they are sensing the overwhelmingness and, and the odds that are against them. And so what does Hezekiah and the prophet Isaiah do? The only thing that we can do, amen, is get on our knees and pray. As one man said, I can stand tall when I'm on my knees. And it's in there in spiritual warfare, amen. We don't stand up and bind the devil and in the constant uh, spiritual dynamics of spiritual warfare that we find today, amen. You just get on your knees, cry out to God. The battle belongs to the Lord. Cry out to him and he, amen, he will intervene. And so this is exactly what happened. That's what Jehoshaphat did in, in Second Chronicles chapter twenty, verse three, when the army of uh, uh, the the armies came against Israel at that time, and Judah. The Bible says that, um, that that Jehoshaphat feared, and he prayed, and he fasted. The the reality hit him, and that's what's happening with Hezekiah. But you see, they both did exactly what we ought to do: pray, pray. Cry out to God. God, you've got to help us. God, you've got to help me. I can't do this. That's okay. That's not lack of faith. The fact that you're on your knees praying, that's faith. And then you're saying, God, I can't, but you can. You see, I, I, I don't have time to, I actually wanted to go through some of the aspects of in 2 Kings chapter 18 and 19, but I, I, time doesn't allow me to go through the, the depths, but read that, read that in your own time and see and just identify the, how the enemy, how the devil's attacking their confidence. It says, uh, what, is, what is this confidence that you have? And then, but then God gets involved through the prophet Isaiah and um, I love it because before, before the events that take place here in the text, you see what's happening and how this whole situation is playing itself out. Actually, I'm just going to go there. Go to 2 Kings and um, let's go to chapter 19. I just want to highlight a couple of things here. So... If you look at verse 22, this is God's response as he speaks to Isaiah the prophet in light of what Sennacherib and uh, the servant has, uh, has been saying to the children of Israel, to Hezekiah. It says, Whom have you reproached and blasphemed? Against whom have you raised your voice and lifted up your eyes on high? Against the Holy One of Israel. God says, you picked a fight with the wrong person. <laughs> and then he says in verse, uh, um, uh, go down to verse 27. It says, but I know your dwelling place, this is God speaking, you're, you're going out and you're coming in and your rage against me. Because your rage against me and your tumult, 
have come to my ears. Therefore, I will put my hook in your nose and my bridle in your lips, and I will turn you back by the way in which you came. God says, I'm going to deal with you. He's boasting against God. God says, uh, yeah, okay, let's play ball. <laughs> and the God of Israel, amen, has come and in his power and in his might. And so let's go down to verse 32. Therefore, thus says the Lord concerning the king of Assyria, he shall not come into this city. Remember, the battle is mine, says God. He shall not come into this city, nor shoot an arrow there, nor come before it with shield, nor build a siege mound against it. By the way that he came, by the same shall he return, and he shall not come into this city, says the Lord. For I will defend this city to save it for my own sake and for my servant David's sake. You see, this is God, and this is the battle that belongs to the Lord. And it doesn't matter what the devil would throw at you and I, if we will trust God. As Hezekiah says, we don't, we don't trust in the arm of flesh. We trust in the Lord our God. And, uh, and it's in that light, amen, that if God be for us, who can be against us? We are more than conquerors. Why? Because of him who loved us. And so we have here an understanding of how, this, uh, how the victory is, uh, has already been accomplished and we stand in that victory, hallelujah, and we stand in Christ Jesus. And even in death we win. Though we might be persecuted and our body might be destroyed, so that the Lord wills. But that's okay, because we triumph. And we will always be led to triumph in Christ Jesus. But you see here how God is working through the situation. And the Bible says in, our, in 2 Chronicles, in our text, look at verse 21. It says, Then the Lord... And in actual fact, I didn't read it, but in, back in 2 Kings, just trust me, it says, And it came to pass. So in other words, God spoke through the prophet but it doesn't say the next day, okay? It says, and it came to pass. As they laid siege, as they were subjected this for a season, then God said, okay, enough's enough. Now's the time. And so this is what's happening. And so in verse 21, then the Lord, at an appointed time, sent an angel who cut down every man of valor, leader and captain in the camp of the king of Assyria. You see, God sent an angel and he destroyed them all. He wiped them out. In one night. And you see, this is, this, this is what our God is able to do. Amen? It doesn't matter what the odds are against us. In us with them is the arm of flesh. With us is the Lord our God. And in the same way, in Jehoshaphat, God said to him, what I want you to do is just, I want you to march towards the heat of the battle and all I want you to do is praise the Lord and praise His holiness. And in doing so, as they did that, we, uh, God come down and he wiped them all out. Now, I highlight all of this just to illustrate, amen, the fact that if God is for us, who can be against us? The battle is the Lord's. That's why 
Paul will say in Corinthians. He says, you know what? I've been beaten. I've been shipwrecked. I've been all these things. I have suffered for his name's sake. He says, I've been cast down, but not conquered. Hard pressed, but you know, he says perplexed, but not in despair. Meaning, he says, I believe, therefore I spoke. His faith was intact. And this is the whole thing, amen. The enemy wanted to undermine the children of Israel's faith to cause them not to trust, to be filled with fear, to panic, so that they would begin to take things into their own hands. And you know, can I just point this out just quickly? But if you read the account in, in Second Kings, it's interesting because before all this plays itself out, the king of Assyria comes against them and the Bible says that Hezekiah stripped the temple of the gold and silver to appease the king of Assyria. And you know what? You read on, and it just says that. It just says it there in, in that account. And I read that, and I thought, gee, isn't that interesting? Because Hezekiah had to learn the lesson the hard way, as we do. Amen? That we don't trust in ourselves. Hezekiah thought, well, if I just give him this, I'll appease him, and then he'll leave me alone. But you see, the devil doesn't make deals. And so all of a sudden he does that and then, and then he's laying siege against Jerusalem and then Hezekiah was forced to trust in God. And so we read of this account as he did. But you know, you go back to there and you realise that it wasn't like that in the first instance. And so the enemy wants to cause us to trust in ourselves, to take things into our own hands. And we're all guilty of this, Amen. I'm sure we can all testify to situations in life where we're, we're, we're called to wait, trust God, but yet we take matters into our own hands. And that doesn't work. But we just need to trust God. You see, the lesson of this story, the lesson of revival is this, that the enemy will move against us. He will assault us. He will assault God. He will try, to cast, he will under, try and undermine your confidence, your new faith, your fresh faith. Your faith is being strengthened. You're going from the Christian life. The just shall live by faith and from faith to faith. And our faith is increasing. Our faith is being strengthened. And the enemy, he wants to weaken that. That's why Hebrews tells us, don't cast away your confidence. If anyone draws back, my soul has no pleasure in him, says the Lord, for the just shall live by faith. And then it tells us about the heroes of faith in Hebrews 11, and they obtained a good testimony because they trusted God. And so let that be our testimony. Don't let the enemy take your faith. And if there's fear, that's okay. Understand, fear may be present. But you see, let faith triumph in your fear. From, faith, from fear to faith, trust God. Let's, let's just pray, but I, before I do that, I won't read the whole text, but in Jeremiah chapter 17, it talks about, Jeremiah 17 verse 5 through to 10, it talks about, don't trust in the armour of the flesh. Cursed is the man who trusts in flesh, that makes flesh his strength. But it tells us to trust in God. Make God our, the strength of our heart. Be strengthened in the Lord and the power of his might. Amen? Let's leave it at that. Let's pray. Father, we just thank you this morning, God, for your word. 
Your word, Lord, that is so rich in truth. Your, so, your word is so rich in instruction. Your word that is so rich in revelation. My God, let us see these truths. Let them understand, us understand them, but more so, God, let us apply them into our own lives and our own walk. And I pray, God, for this church. I pray for us as individuals. God, help us, Lord, to be strengthened in faith from go to faith to faith, Lord. I ask this and I pray for your people that they would be strengthened and encouraged this morning in Jesus' name. Amen.